0: (laughs) what hold on a second everyone All right, so if you guys didn't know, we have a Facebook page. So, <laughs> but don't worry. that was terrible. I'm so sorry, everybody. All right, I don't even know where to go now. So, so we're like preaching or something up here. So I have this uh, can of soda, and uh, I heard it already. Somebody goes, <gasps> I heard it. Somebody got super excited. So, um, so what we're talking about today is uh, is not worrying. And, uh, I mean, I got married in 2007, so it's not been a very long time, 12 years. But I can promise you, me telling my wife not to worry doesn't change anything for good. It changes it for worse. I mean, it makes makes the situation not as good. Um, But uh, when you say, you know, honey, don't worry about it. It'll be okay. And instantly it's better, right? No. No, it's not better. Oh, as uh, as I'm standing up here shaking this can of soda, you guys are you guys are already knowing what's happening, right? You know, you got carbonation that's building up inside of it. Instantly, as I grabbed the can of soda that Jamie was so willing to uh, to get for me, it's uh, it's already feeling like it's tightening up. So here are some funny videos of people putting uh, Mentos into Diet Doctor Pe- or Diet Coke. All right. Oh, man, so that's the first one. The next time it just goes into slow mo. So, oh, you hate it when that happens. You hate it. You hate it when that happens. So, so soda is one of those things, or pop. I don't know what you guys call it. I've only I've like I grew up in Orlando and we called it soda, and then I moved to South Dakota and all my friends called it pop, and so I started calling it pop. But then we moved to like southern Illinois, and it was called Soda. And I got so tired of changing back and forth that when I went to college, I just kept calling it Soda. But people call it Coke. Anybody call it Coke? You're like, I'll just take a Coke. And they're like, well, which kind? And you're like, the Mountain Dew. And you're like, what? Like It's not even made by the same company. So we're going we're gonna to take, uh, take some time this morning and talk about not worrying. Is anybody getting worried about what I'm getting ready to do with this can of Soda? I thought about putting a tarp up here and, like, really getting it going. I also had an idea of uh, bringing a firework up here on the stage. I mean, I I figured Jim's gone, so, like, might as well, right? Uh, And then, like, having a lighter and just, like, constantly, like, going back to it. But I decided not to do that. I went to this can of Coke here. But maybe these people that were in this video should have worried a little bit more than they did. Maybe they should have thought a little bit more, like... Maybe I shouldn't put Mentos into this. Maybe I shouldn't turn on this video camera, but thank goodness they did because we would have had the laughs and the, the fun time that we were able to have. But just like this soda can and how it's getting more and more filled with pressure and uh, more and more overwhelming with, uh, with worry, sometimes our life is the same way. The worry and the stress and the things that are... That are just feeling overwhelming at times, just start to keep building up and they keep building up, and they don't feel like they're ever going to get better i mean here's god God just works in such a way sometimes that I, honestly guys, this sermon's for me and uh, and i didn't realize that I was halfway through my week of prepping for this lesson and And I told Casey, I really want to bring a firework on the stage, but I have no idea how to connect that in a lesson, (laughs) but that's just all I wanted to do, was bring a firework on stage, and she said, well, what about worry? And I said, why do you have to be like that? (laughs) Because that was exactly what I had going on. Like, I don't know if you guys know this or not, but things have changed around here, and things aren't quite like they used to be, and, you know, the office isn't quite like it used to be, and... You know what I have going on isn't quite like what it used to be, and yesterday it all kind of built up to the point of just not feeling like myself, you know just worry and stress does that sometimes where you just you don't feel like who you're supposed to be and that was exactly where I was yesterday after writing this sermon after prepping for the sermon, all of a sudden God just penetrated my heart and it had nothing to do anymore with coming up here and preaching, but instead just me just crying out to God over what You know, Casey read about from Philippians chapter 4. So I wanted to read from Matthew chapter 6 and quite a few, not quite a few, but there's a few verses from Matthew chapter 6 that I feel really kind of cap this off. So Matthew chapter 6, starting in verses 25 and following, Matthew, uh, the Gospel of Matthew has this really just well laid out part that Jesus just simply says, worrying is just so silly. There's nothing you can do to change what tomorrow has. So he says this, he says, Therefore, I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or drink, or about your body, what you will wear. Is not life more than food, the body more than clothes? Look at the birds of the air. They do not sow or reap or stow away in barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they? Can any one of you, by worrying, add a single hour to your life? And how Jesus ends it right there, I mean, it just makes it all so silly. If anything, statistics show and science shows that worrying lessens your life, makes you feel older, makes you feel more stressed out, and makes your blood pressure higher, and makes you, makes you not as healthy to worry. So if anything... While worrying doesn't even do anything more, worrying does worse. It it makes you feel worse. I mean, when you read the end of the verse, doesn't it make worrying just seem so stupid? Because it's right. Worrying doesn't add any more time to your life. All right. I need a volunteer. who likes to be a little dangerous. All right. I'm, I've already forgotten your name from class. I'm, look, tell me one more time. Yeah. Sam. Sam, come on up. He doesn't know better. <laughs> All right. Sam, here's what I need you to do. I need you to take this can of soda, and I need you to shake it as hard as you can for a bit, okay? Keep going. Just keep going. So here's what I want you to do to try and fix this situation. I want you to worry about it. Like, worry. Like... Man, I hope this doesn't explode on me right now. I hope I don't accidentally drop it. I hope this guy that I just met like an hour ago doesn't ask me to open this. I hope that's not what's going to happen. I hope. I'm worrying, right? Is it helping any? Is worrying helping any right now? All right. So I stayed at a Holiday Inn Express last night, and that means I'm an expert now, okay? I also watched a YouTube video that also made me an expert. So here's what we're gonna do. We're gonna figure out how to make this not explode. We are gonna open it. All right, put it right here. Have you guys in your life ever uh, like tapped the top of it? I learned while staying at this Holiday Inn Express and watching this YouTube video, that does nothing, okay? And the reason is, is according to science, all your bubbles are actually on the outside of the can and there's a gap in between the fluid and the top And so tapping on the top does nothing. It doesn't make the bubbles go anywhere. So I need you to, with not like poking through it, but like tapping the outside with a whole bunch of force, okay? And all over it for for a moment of time. So do that for a bit. Yep, yep, do that. So here's what's going to happen is as as he's flicking the outside of that can, the bubbles are now going to the top. And you guys are like, this isn't going to happen. I also want to say I've never tried this. So uh, so if we get new carpet next week, then we, we know why. Um, but what's supposed to happen is, as he's flicking the outside of this can, the bubbles are releasing to the top, and, and rather than being, you know activated, they now are to the top. Do you feel like it's pretty good? I'm super nervous. Go for it. Hey! Well done, do you want that soda? Huh? You want the Coke? All right, you can have it. It's all yours. Well done. So here's my illustration. (laughs) Is the worrying, the being stressed while shaking the can that Sam was shaking, wasn't going to change the situation at all. It didn't make it any better. But once he had information that I hoped was right, by flicking the outside of the can it took an explosive situation. I mean honestly, that would have been pretty exciting had we opened it without doing that. That uh, that would have been better. But we didn't. Instead, we flicked the outside and so with proper understanding, he got barely a little bit of soda on his on his hand and and we got a we got a ring, you know, on the on the table. But not anything on the ground and nothing nothing anywhere. So with the right understanding and the ability to, to know what needed to happen, it didn't explode. So here's the thing. Is worry is going to happen. We're going to worry. It's just a part of life. Things come, and, and you don't know how it's going to work out. You know, you get a bill that you weren't expecting to happen this month. Or you get news from, from family members that, that something is changing in life. Or close friends realize that they have to move. And there's nothing you can do about it. And instead of worrying and and getting so worked up and stressed out over it, Paul shows us exactly how to handle it. Or not Paul, sorry. Jesus shows us exactly how to handle that. And this is one of those verses where it's almost like Jesus is talking right through us. Like he's saying, hey, you worry a lot. Why do you do that? He doesn't just, you know, he doesn't just say, stop it. But he just simply says, what's the worst that can happen? So what if you don't have any food, like the scripture before says? What happens if your clothes aren't the newest and the best? Don't you think I will take care of you? Jesus is just trying to reason with us. And really, when we worry, we act like we don't think he's going to take care of us in the end. We don't think he's going to do it. We worry over things that in the grand scheme of life don't really matter. They're pretty small. You know, for, for a lot of you kids, you, you know, during school time, you worry about grades. You worry about, you know, my friends are able to stay out this late. Why do I have to be home at this time? Why do they get to go do this thing? Why do I, like, why can't I? Or, you know, some of you guys, as you're going off to college and you start worrying about, what am I going to do with the rest of my life? I'm 33 and I don't know what I'm doing with the rest of my life. You know, and it's okay. It's okay to not know. It's okay to to be in the moment sometimes in that. You know, a lot of you adults are worrying about, you know, how am I paying the next bill? How am I, you know, how am I going to keep my house going or how am I going to keep my car working? But however we spend our time worrying, basically, it's like we're saying, hey, Jesus, I know you said that you would be there for me and whatnot, but... I'm not sure that I believe you. I know you're supposed to be enough for me, but I'm not sure you are. That's definitely not what we want. That is definitely not our heart. That's definitely not our desire. I mean, that's crazy talk. So I'm going to do something a little different. I'm going to read first from the book of Matthew again, chapter six, and it's verse 28 to 34. So if you want to flip there in yours, we're going to read, we're going to read this, in uh, just kind of the regular NIV. And then what we're going to do is we're going to have a video playing with some music playing, and then I'm going to read from the version called The Message. And it's more contemporary, re- re- wow, it's, it's written newer. If I had words, I would, that'd be helpful. It's written in a way that helps us understand it better. But we're going to read it first like this, and then we're going to read it in this other way. So Matthew chapter 6, 28 to 34. for the pagans run after all of these things and your heavenly father knows that you need them but seek first his kingdom and his righteousness and all these things will be given to you as well therefore do not worry about tomorrow for tomorrow will worry about itself each day has enough trouble of its own so take a moment here this is another kind of you're not uh, the video that's on the screen is going to be for you to be able to look at, but the video, the words are not going to be up there. So just be listening. Has anyone, by fussing in front of the mirror, ever gotten taller by so much as an inch? All this time and money wasted on fashion—do you think it makes that much difference? Instead of looking at fashions, walk out into the fields and look at the wild fl- flowers. They never primp or shop. But have ever have you ever seen color? And design quite like it? The ten best dressed men and women in the country look shabby alongside them. If God gives such attention to the appearance of wild flowers, most of which are never ever seen, don't you think he'll attend to you? Take pride in you? Do his best for you? What I'm trying to do here is to get you to relax, to not be so preoccupied with getting, so you can respond to God's giving. People who don't know God and the way he works fusses over these things. But you know both God and how he works. Steep in your life, in God reality, God intervention, God provisions. Don't worry about missing out. You'll find your everyday human concerns will be met. Give your entire attention to what God is doing right now. And don't get worked up about what may or may not happen tomorrow. God will help you deal with whatever hard things come up when the time comes. So, I want to take some time and, and kind of unpack what each of these verses are actually talking about and, uh, and strive to kind of give us a better understanding of what Jesus is trying to get across to us. So, to me, This is one of the most beautiful passages in the entire Bible. I mean, it's just a a beautiful picture being painted of God's love for us. I mean, if nothing more, this is a perfect illustration of what the cross is like. I mean, the cross is that beautiful picture of God giving everything for us when we didn't deserve any of it. And this is exactly like that. God takes care of us when we just so greatly don't deserve it. So the very first line. So if that is how God clothes the grass of the field. So let's be honest. How many of you have worried about clothes? Where to buy them? How much they cost? Which ones to wear? Are they the right ones to wear? Do they make me look good? Does this dress make me look fat? I've never asked that. <laughs> Been asked it. But. But. Have you ever done that? I mean, this morning, while I was standing in front of the, the, the closet, I went through that. I knew what I was preaching, and I, yet I still stood in front of the mirror, or in front of the, the closet, and I said, no, not that shirt today. No, I'm, no, yes. And I tried it on, I'm like, no. I'm going to put on this other one. And then in the end, this is, what I, this is what I got, you know? This is what I came out with. And you're like, that one? That's what you chose? But of course we worry about clothes. We worry about... Money to buy clothes. Then we worry about which clothes we should buy. And then we worry about which clothes we should wear to which places. We worry about whether people are going to think about our clothes. We worry, we worry, we worry. And sometimes we worry so much that we choose not to even go to what we are worrying about. You can have a closet full of things and you just decide, you know what, I'm just not even going to go to the thing I was invited to because I just don't have anything to wear to it. I, I get it. I understand. I went to an interview where I thought I was dressed appropriately, and I got told later that, uh, that the reason I didn't get the job was because of what I was wearing. I mean, I labored over what I was going to wear, you know? Like, I put a lot of thought into it. In the end, obviously, that was not somewhere I wanted to work. But when you start to think about it, and you start to think well, that's people's first perception of what I look like and what I'm wearing, it starts to make you worry even more. But it's ridiculous. It's just really ridiculous. Have you ever stopped and looked at the flowers lately? I mean, this is like, you know, my second July in Kansas. But the first July that I was here was a whirlwind of of not really able to observe what was going on. But uh, you guys have some really beautiful flowers. I don't know if you know this or not. And uh, we went to camp. We went to when we went to CIY, Our uh, our house didn't have the orange flowers. And then we came back, and it was just a row of those orange lilies. I think, that, like, is that what they are? Yeah. Again, some head shakes. I don't know. Uh, no, like, it was just mind blowing how beautiful they were, or uh, you know, the excitement to be able to tell people that you have naked ladies in your backyard. Like, I don't know. There should be another name for them, but or when my kids are out in the backyard, like hitting them with with bats. That's a diff- that's a very weird sentence to say out loud. So. Um, you get what I'm saying. I'm not going to say it out loud. <laughs> but the flowers are beautiful. Flowers are special. Flowers are are unique and different. I mean, look look at the video we just watched. I mean, sure, flowers are gorgeous, but when you think about how all that color and all that beauty and all that shape and all the smell just grew into that, I mean, are we not more important to God? The verse is right. Flowers are more beautiful than even the richest king's clothing. The God who created these flowers, these stunning, incredible flowers that outshine royalty, loves us so much more than he loves these flowers. So why would we even waste a second of our lives worrying about our clothes? And then he goes on to talk about other things that we stress out about a lot. Eating and, uh, and, and what to drink and when to drink it. And, what, and again, he says, what shall we wear? And these are such reassuring words because he, he just reiterates here that God already knows what we need. Our heavenly father is well aware of exactly what we need and when we need it. And then he goes on to say, he says, but seek first above all of these things. Not that they're not important. Obviously eating is important. Drinking is important. Wearing clothes, please, are important. Those things are important. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. And this is not a uh, prosperity kind of scenario. This is God taking care of his children. He cries out and says, just rely on me, I will take care of you. And if that's not the clearest instructions, I don't know what is. We're very clearly told not to worry, but to place our focus somewhere else. And that somewhere else, is seeking God's kingdom and his righteousness. And after that, everything else will fall into place. You know, Jim said it like this at a different time when he was talking about when he loves God more than he loved Rhoda, then everything else falls into place. It's the same exact understanding. When we love God more than our personal well-being, then everything else falls into place. When we stop worrying about our day-to-day life, and we start worrying about what god wants us to be doing then things fall into place and that's a relief because it's much easier to focus on one thing god than it is to focus on everything that's stressing us out i mean because when you start listing it out and if we went around the room and we were just say hey you know tell me out loud what you're worrying about right now and everybody's like cringing like don't do that don't make me open a can of soda uh we all start worrying about, like, what are we going to say? <laughs> you know, we're worrying about worrying. And we would all kind of go around and be like, oh, you worry about that too? That's crazy. I worry about that. Or, you, or maybe as you say it out loud, you're like, why do I worry about that? That's not even something that should be worried about. It's going to figure itself out. And that's, you know, we, we start to see how God just wants us to be focused on him and how he wants us to take Care of ourselves by focusing on Him. You know, not worrying about the day to day. You know, there's a difference between working hard and worrying. So I don't want this sermon to come off as I want you guys to just let the life go by you. You know, if you're worrying about how to mow, like if the lawn will be mowed, like go mow the lawn, right, or call somebody and ask somebody to mow the lawn. So there are some level of like, just do it. Go and do the thing that you're worrying about. It's going to be okay. I know for myself, there's a lot of worry and creativity. Like, I worry, is, if, is what I'm being creative and good enough? Or are people going to enjoy it? Or, you know, is it going to, is it going to be noticed? Or is it people are going to understand what I was trying to get across? And on some level, I just kind of have to just do it. I just kind of have to put it out there and it be okay. You know, I can worry and worry over a lesson or a sermon or is this event good enough? But sometimes you just have to just do what you're worrying about. And that's when God steps in and says, you know, it's okay. I've got it. I'm going to make this exactly what I needed it to be. Since you put in the hard work and you put in the prep and you did, you did the things you needed to do, it's going to be okay. And there are those things in your life too, where maybe you're stressing and worrying about it. God's just saying, just start. Just do it. Just get going. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. Now, isn't that just the truth? Tomorrow is going to happen whether or not we worry about it. We're going to go to bed and tomorrow will happen, no matter how much we worried about it yesterday. There's too much to think about and to do today to have the time and energy to worry about tomorrow. It is an incredible gift to be able to lay your head down on your pillow at night and be able to tell God, tell the God who created everything that you see, that you trust him. They may have no idea what tomorrow will bring, but you know that he will be there because he cares for you, and he will take care of you. So Philippians chapter 4, verse 6, is one of those verses that is like, easier to read than it is to do, and Paul writes this to the church of Philippi. Do you not be anxious about anything, thanks Paul, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. So the next time you start to worry about something, and the next time you start to stress about something, and the next time you start to get anxious about something, I want you to remember this verse. I want you to have this verse on your heart. And this verse gives you a clear formula of how to deal with worry. It's two things. No matter what the situation is, do not be anxious. Yes, I get it. It's easier said than to be done. But in every situation, don't be anxious. And then number two is do it all with a thankful heart. Pray and tell God what you need. So like I said last night, I was getting so overwhelmed with with worry and stress and being anxious that i finally stopped and i remembered this verse and i remembered what paul's instructions were and i started praying i mean it didn't make the situation any different but it gave me a different perspective allowed me to understand who was the most important god and his mission is the most important his kingdom work is the most important and that's it it seems too easy and when you have a God who gets your best intentions in mind, who you can talk to at any time, it really is. So before we leave this morning, you know, I made the joke about us uh, saying it out loud, but we're not going to we're not going to say it out loud. But instead what I'm going to do is I'm going to give you a little piece of paper. So, we don't need the encyclopedia of your worries. You know, one one big thing. One thing you, when you pray in this moment as we're talking about this and that thing comes to mind. That's what you want to write down. And at the top of this little slip of paper is Philippians chapter four, verse six. Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. And put this somewhere. Put this somewhere where you can see it. Maybe that's in your car. Maybe that's on your mirror in your bathroom, you know, maybe that's in your wallet, somewhere where you look quite regularly, somewhere where you can remember, oh, I need to go back to that. I'm worrying about this thing again. And utilize this. You know, maybe you have another way of doing it, but this was, in my mind, this was a way for me just to at least put action behind what we are talking about this morning. But write it down. You'll, like I said, you'll keep this card and you'll you put it somewhere you, you need to remember that verse you need to remember Philippians chapter four verse six you know things are going to get hard and, and difficult and uh, it might feel like things are taking too long or or maybe it feels like it's going too fast I don't know whatever you're overwhelmed about as we go through this process of you know looking for a new minister as we go through this process of ch- church changes and, and just everything that's involved with with what happened last week, you know, maybe that's what you put down on this paper. And maybe that's what your prayer becomes. Because I honestly believe that as a church, we are praying towards the same goal and we are of the same mind that when God lines us up with the correct person, that it won't be something that we have to adjust to, but instead that we will rejoice in. So I need some help uh, passing these out. So if I can get some willing people, come on up here, and uh, and go about passing it out, passing them out. Beth, you want to help me out? And then if the band wants to start heading up, we're going to pray and uh, continue worshiping this God that does have it all under control. But like I said, uh, if you if you do need a pen, I had I thought I had some. I don't know what I did with it all. But there are some pins back in the back if you want to write yours right away. But if you want to take it home as well, please, it's, it's yours to use. And uh, if you haven't gotten one in a little bit, you know, just raise your hand and one of these guys will help you out. Um, but let's...
1: When we come to communion, we typically focus on forgiveness. We like to remind ourselves that God's mercy and grace are bigger than our sins, that God loves us no matter what we've done. And that's 100% true and super important, obviously. But what if we take communion time to focus on obedience instead? In First John fourteen fifteen, Jesus says, If you love me, obey my commands. My Savior knows me. He knows when I set and when I rise. He knows what I'm going to say, but he knows what I'm going to say before I say it. So I can't pretend to love him, or just say I love him, or profess to love him. If I love him, I obey him, pure and simple. If I love him, why do I lie? If I love him, why do I gossip? If I love him, why do I cheat? Or lust, or steal, or covet, or get drunk, or take the Lord's name in vain, or dishonor my parents if i love him i need to obey his commands pure and simple so today i challenge each of us and encourage each of us to reflect on the ways that we can be more obedient to christ what are the things we are constantly asking forgiveness for and what if instead of doing that thing and asking for forgiveness what if we ask for obedience in that area of our life would it be a game changer If we love our Lord, let's try to obey his commands, but knowing full well that his grace is sufficient enough for us. Would you pray with me? God, we do love you, and we do want to obey your commands. But from birth, we've had this desire, unfortunately, to do things on our own, uh, to be disobedient. And I just pray that you would help us to rein that in and to long for more obedience in our lives. Teach us to obey your commands, and when we do fall short, we ask for your mercy and grace and your forgiveness that you so graciously offer to us through your sacrifice on the cross. We just love you and give you thanks for all that you do for us. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen.